This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host Dave to put the final nail in the coffin of our careers. Is that a <laughs> good way of saying it? That, that sounds like an absolute... Careers episodes! Careers episodes! Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's that's better. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take much to be better than that intro, but dear God, okay. I try. You are very trying, this is true. And yes, indeed... This is our final episode, at least for now, around careers and our journey and all that kind of good stuff. And hopefully, I've actually had some some pretty positive feedback from uh, a few folks on mm-hmm. on this that are uh, that are following along with us. So hopefully, this wraps it up in a nice, neat little bow. And uh, yeah, let's let's get into it before we waste a whole bunch of time on waffle. Yeah, with the wrap-up, he means we want to pick up the stuff we left on the floor and need to kind of uh, cover it up himself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. I mean, that's that's the idea I have when I look at you. You're just kind of guy that drops stuff on the floor all the time. <laughs> Thank you. It's a segue. Moving to on. The first bu- it's a segue to the first bullet, because the first bullet we'll talk about is personal branding. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh, so I try. Here, People, you I are, try. here you are, hopefully, dear audience, listening to this podcast, slash maybe watching us on YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. Full color. Um, yeah, no, not black and white now. Amazing. Um, <laughs> well, the logos of this. <laughs> but one of the reasons that we started doing this, and it's not the main reason, but it is a. it did play into this, was this is, this for us at least, I'm I'm speaking well this for me at least has been a reasonably significant part of my personal brand over the years that we've been doing this it has um allowed me an outlet oh, this you mean to, the podcast right yeah the podcast okay. so th- this has been a, an outlet for for me to rant about things that I vehemently disagree with and uh challenge Jan about the clearly daft opinions he has about life and just generally talk about tech and the industry and stuff that otherwise I don't know what outlet I would have for some of the conversations that we've had here. But I have met people through the podcast. I have, I think, influenced people through the podcast to do a variety of different things that they probably wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, I've certainly been in meetings with customers and prospects where they've done a double take as I start talking and recognized me and and you know that's led to a whole bunch of different conversations and like there's literally no better icebreaker in the world than someone all of a sudden switching from you know thinking they're just talking to yet another boring vendor to to actually thinking that they're talking to someone that they actually listen to every week and they really enjoy the conversations and so on and so forth. So that's, you know, one example of, you know, what I have done in terms of, in terms of my personal brand, what are some of the things that, that you you've done or what, what do you think some of the, the things that the podcast have done for you and your brand, John? Uh, I think we look at this in a quite differently, to be honest, because I got the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you see branding as something that you build consciously, actually do things to build a brand. While on my mm. end, um, 
I just I do this podcast. My prim- prim- my primary reason to do this podcast is to learn talk clearly. That's definitely working very well at the moment. Yeah. But uh, yeah. no, the primary reason is um, being ahead of the curve, figuring out what's going on, forming mm-hmm. my opinions around subjects, just to get the information, the the, the knowledge, the the wisdom, if I dare use that word, which I then obviously can use in my everyday life conversations, work conversations, things like that. I'm by nature of kind of shy person doing this has pretty much forced me to, <laughs> to get rid of that a bit. I mean, I still remember our discussions where we decided, should we go video or not? Yeah. Showing this ugly mug on screen every week. It's something you need to get over. And for me, that's why I did it. Now, did that influence my brand? Obviously, tremendously, very, very much. That has definitely made my well, gave me a brand, let's call it that, because mm. before this podcast, I didn't do much public talking. I, again, I'm a shy person. I'm in, uh, an introvert. I don't do this stuff that often. So my brand was mostly established by accident, if I can call it that. So that's the difference I see between you and me. I think, Seal, you have more of a goal towards this is for my branding and needs to be fun too. Well, I just do fun stuff and by accident, it kind of forms a certain brand. I think it's two sides of the same coin. I think it is the same thing that we're looking at, but we look at it from slightly different perspectives. Because I I think you're right in that I certainly didn't get into this because I thought it would be good for my brand or even knew what the hell my brand was or even (laughs) know what it is today. But uh, maybe a different example of, of thinking about a brand is I have spent um, pretty much 20 years of my career in open source solutions, mm-hmm. services, companies, technologies. Um, like for me, open source is a, a huge part of my, I guess my brand. I don't think of it as my brand. But like, you know, if you cut me in half, you won't see open source. (laughs) Um, I'll try. (laughs) Branded through me. But I I do think that there's there's something unique that I enjoy about working in in an open source ecosystem with people that are also passionate about open source. Um, And never say never but i mm-hmm. I, I think i would be, i would find it quite difficult to go and you know go and work do the same sort of role for a, a you know a completely proprietary organization or company or technology um I, I could do it if i had to do it maybe there's maybe there is an opportunity out there that will grab my attention but i think for me sort of I've spent so much of my career in this space. I've spent so much time and effort understanding open source, you know, contributing to open source. Um, I think I've, I've been a, a very, very, very tiny part, but I think I've, I have contributed towards helping making open source more successful and more prevalent. Yeah, I say incredibly tiny part of it. Yeah, but the podcast, we have it from some people, I think. Yeah, yeah, the podcast, but also just you spend enough time talking to people about open source, you can't help but <laughs> um, you know bring people into the sphere of, of of open source, having 
conversations with people over, as I say, in my case, probably over over two decades, it just sort of it pervades so many things that you do. And so I, I don't consciously think of open source as being part of my brand, but I do I do think that it probably is, whether I think about it actively or pursue it actively or not. It just happens to be that that's the way my my career has, has shaped out and that's the way that, you know, sometimes I have steered it in that direction and sometimes it has steered me in that. Yeah, that's a good point actually, because now you're talking about open source, that is actually the one thing that I consciously put up as a brand for myself. Because at a certain point years ago, when LinkedIn became somewhat more important, if that's a word you can use for that thing, I've changed my uh, byline, the thing under your name, from I am working at company XYZ to something, uh, I would have to read it now, but something about working in open source, tackling open source problems, things like that. So I actually use that as a kind of branding thing. Though I think you're right, it's not just the open source brand. It's not that I'm an open source pundit and everything needs to be open source, things like that. It's more the culture that comes with the open source, the flexibility, the, the growth mindset, being able to try new things, not being in a, not liking being in a rut, doing some stuff that nobody else has done before and being open for that, that flexibility. And there's also never anything wrong with a brand because that's, maybe I'm running a bit forward here, but having a brand will never limit something. Not having a brand means you don't have a flavor. And when you do, a recruiter contacts you, they have no idea. And if then you pass the the, chain, the the list of people and somebody with a strong brand is there, at least this person stands for something and they can relate to that. And an example I can give you, as I say, my branding is more or less like you, also centered on open source things. I worked at Microsoft for four years doing open source stuff there. So again, branding is never bad. And it is something that I think I spend way too much time developing, to be honest, I should do more. But yeah, I'm lazy, what can I say? It's also part of my brand, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we're talking about careers here, I think my part of my brand is also about, um, about pre-sales. I've, I've spent 17, 18 years of my, of my career in solutions engineering, sales engineering, pre-sales, call it what you will. And, you know, I, I love it. I love the, I love the role. Like I, it's not that I don't think I could ever do anything different. It's more that I don't know that I would want to, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, I've dabbled with other things over, over time, sometimes through necessity, sometimes through curiosity. So, you know, I, I've run, I've run support teams. I've run sales teams. Um, I have, what else have I done outside of pre-sales? I've run knows. consulting teams, uh, you know, post-sales delivery. Um, I've, you know, I've obviously had a, an entire 10 years of 11 years of my career in mechanical engineering, um, which is, you know, predates all of that soft, squishy stuff, um, open source stuff. So, but the, the thing that, the thing that I think defines or the thing that I focus on for my, uh, my brand is very much 
this 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 pre-sales career that I've had and it's when I talk to people about it I I don't reinforce the fact that I've been a, a leader or a manager I actually reinforce the fact that I've jumped between management and individual contributor multiple times throughout my career um yeah that's actually a good one i was going to say something else but now branding i mean we talked about this earlier also about career uh, uh career leaders career managers where their mm. brand is i am a manager i don't care what i'm managing as long as i'm managing something that is mm. my brand when we talked about it then i kind of said i think it's a bad bad thing because management is a position and you should look for something where you can contribute something and if that's a management role that's a management role it's an ic role <clears throat> that is just as valid so i do when i just say that no branding is bad i'm just i don't know if you're branding yourself as a manager or the reverse as only an ic mm. would that be limiting not necessarily uh, i mean no actually let me change my let me show i think probably it is limiting but it could be limiting that you're looking for when you position yourself like that so as a as a, a concrete example that i can think of um there's an individual um that i work with that is an amazing ic absolutely amazing um and in they they are you know great at mentoring new people they are fantastic with the technology they're amazing with customers and they're also just happen to be a wonderful human being they have absolutely no interest in people management and i think some of that probably <laughs> resonates with with you as well like, mm -hmm. and does that limit you technically yes it limits you because that means that you'll probably never get I mean, you might get offered, but you'll never take probably a people management role, but that's kind of, it's okay to, for that to be a limitation because it's not something that you're interested in or focused on or think that you would enjoy. Yeah, but before I joined Hortonworks from my first pre-sales career, I was saying pre-sales, those demigods, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> and I was outside of my brand let's call it that contacted mm. for a pre-sales job and i was looking for something new and i thought well why the hell not i'm looking for something at the moment this i haven't done this yet let's take a plunge same might be said for career uh, in the, towards management or not yeah and if you totally lock it off you, you never know what you like if you don't try it first yeah and so i have tried and, management at very low low scale i know i'm crap at it so i'm not doing it again <laughs> and we we I think we touched on this on earlier episodes. Like there are, there are always going to be, or maybe not always. There are often uh, opportunities to pursue some of these things. So, you know, you can you can experiment with you know a team lead type role that will give you, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a flavor of that people management side of things. And you know, if done if done well, if implemented well, then there's absolutely no shame in someone dipping their toe in the water, trying it for a quarter or two, and then deciding, hey, don't think this is for me. Or similarly, going, actually, I really enjoy this. I think I'm really good at it, and I'd love to try more of it. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's different, there are there are different avenues to, to the brand, but there's, 
one thing that I think is very consistent is that you need to like the brand should be you if that makes any sense like your exactly. brand shouldn't differ from well at least in my opinion your brand shouldn't differ from who you actually are like don't have a completely false persona that is your brand in your career whereas actually you hate all of the things that makes that brand and <laughs> spend more time working than living privately so if, if you have a persona you don't like yeah and some yeah. people do yeah i mean some people definitely do I mean, you get them behind closed doors and there's a very different set of conversations but it's it's far more time effort and energy to keep up a persona that isn't mm -hmm. you than it is to just be and yourself people notice. yeah people notice people notice the even like the uh, i think the phrase is the mask the mask slips and and like people pick up on that level of um non the non-genuine nature yeah, of it not authentic yeah yeah but that so, doesn't mean that you have to be exactly the same person at the job as you are in private right i mean i like to lounge in the, uh, on the couch I'm not going to say my underwear. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I mean, there will obviously be differences in how you project yourself in a more professional atmosphere than yeah. in private. That is totally normal, but the core should still be you. If you're not a flexible person, don't present project that image. If you're a very reliable, consistent person, that's also a quality. I mean, yeah. big works for you. Yeah. Anything else on brand, do you think? Uh, yeah, just one thing. Um, when you're older, then your brand has kind of established itself over time, with or without conscious decision-making there. Mm -hmm. When you're just starting out, let's say you're just uh, leaving uh, university or higher education or whatever you did, and you put your stuff on LinkedIn, and at the moment your brand is basically your LinkedIn page, I would say. That's one mm -hmm. way people look to fi figure out what your brand is. I'm not saying they are interchangeable. What could the person do if you're still young and starting out to kind of project a brand that hopefully will land you a job in a um, sphere of in interest that is good for you? So I would personally, I would try and establish a set of maybe behaviors that are generally seen as positive regardless of what your specifically going into so things like being smart being curious having so i go take an iq test and put my iq on my linkedin page hmm. no that's not what i mean about being smart but like <laughs> being curious being attentive but how do you how do you show that how do you attention hmm. to detail well so as an example um I, curiosity i think is one of one of the things that's um, underrated, maybe in in a lot of a lot of different areas. Undervalued, I think it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under under undervalued. I think that maybe that's a better way to put it. Um, I think it's easier to demonstrate it than it is to build a brand on it. But I I also think it's it's quite difficult from the outset to um, maybe to, to sort of outwardly focus some of these things. I think these are some things that is, it's easier to, to demonstrate than it is to build an external brand on. But maybe as an example, 
um, I interviewed a candidate who put together um, a, a website entirely around um, articles that they wrote around cloud computing, cloud native, um, and a whole and DevOps topics. No real sort of plan other than they had some time on their hands and they wanted to do something where they would actually learn because they'd be forced to learn to go and figure out how they'd write these articles. And, you know, that to me demonstrated that this person, A, had, you know, drive and could see something through beyond mm -hmm. just, you know, a quick, one quick deliverable. It wasn't like, oh, they did this practical exercise or they did this, wrote this one article or wrote this one blog post. They developed, you know, an entire website and a whole bunch of articles covering a reasonably diverse set of topics in a really interesting way. So, you know, that's an example of something that I think demonstrates maybe not a brand, but a set of values that I think are useful and interesting. But that's a brand, right? The set of values, that's the branding going to push up there. And the thing I was thinking of when I asked the question is exactly this. I mean, in the olden days when I was young, you didn't have the internet, so there, there was limited potential of doing this. But now you can have blogs up everywhere. You can be in discussion groups, you can be in all kinds of organizations that are specifically built to do that branding. So I think even if you're starting, you should be able to already have some presence on the internet. Mm. Definitely if you're in the technology world, that should definitely be possible. Now, the other thing that people often don't think about when you talk about branding is language. Mm -hmm. Whenever you present yourself and whenever you're talking to some recruiter or whatever, you are presenting yourself. When you talk, when you write stuff, be careful how you say things. Mm. I mean, the one thing I always find so funny on a, on a resume is I was responsible for this and that at this company. So it didn't do anything. You were just responsible for it. <laughs> okay. Just that kind of language, have, have active language, not passive language. It also yeah. indicates you're a, a, a go-getter, let's call it, if it's a buzzword, why not? And not a passive person, that kind of stuff. Don't put a lot of effort, especially at the beginning, on the, the, the title you had. I was vice president of the youth commission, commission of whatever. Talk more about what you did. And how, as you said, as you know, example, what you follow through on. I started this, I finished this, I've handed this over. That gives people a, a more of an idea of what you do. And if you haven't had any job uh, experience yet, you have done things in school. You yeah. have done, um, uh, what's the word in English, the, the final projects you do, uh, your thesis and stuff, stuff like that. or thesis or you, you, work experience, uh, like this. Intern jobs, all that stuff. But that also means, and that's something that's, at least in this part of the world, is very sad when people are ending their school career, they do these inter interns, which are obligated by the school, there's very little guidance. And people end up doing things that really don't help them at all. And again, today, there's a lot of potential of finding something that is able to help you build that brand or a beginning of a brand, perhaps. I mean, if you're interested in aerospace, try and get something at an aerospace company. Don't go to a supermarket chain to do something. Yeah. But I, I, I would hard. never have got, I would never have got my first, my first job if I hadn't had done a work experience placement at that company mm -hmm. and been a known quantity. There were literally 
thousands of applicants for whatever it was, like 20 roles or something. And the fact that I got in was purely because to them, I was some sort of known quantity. They, they, I referred the fact that I'd done a work experience placement with them. I referred the fact that, you know, I, I'd had these glowing reviews and included them with my application and a whole bunch of stuff like that. And like, I am positive to this day that that's the, the only reason I got that foot through the door. Cause I wasn't an exceptional student. I, I was a reasonable student, but I wasn't exceptional in the way that, you know, out of literally, I think it was over 10,000 applicants for, 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 yeah, say 20 roles. Like there's, there's no way that I make those odds given my academic career and purely my application. So I think this, this probably, um, leads us nicely, I hope into who can help you make a good choice. If you're thinking about a career change, you know, in, in my case, that was, you know, I'd had a taste of it already. So I knew a little bit about what this organization was like. And, and so, you know, I, I'd had some firsthand experience, but there were yeah, lots and awesome. lots. Well, it was, it was, it was the people that I'd met there. It was the people that I'd worked with there. They helped me understand that this was probably going to be a good decision for me, but there's lots of other ways to do this. So let's start, start running through them. Uh, I'm actually going to surprise you here because uh, I told you before we recorded, we're going to have a different of, of opinion here mm -hmm. because in my opinion, only one person can help make a good choice. And that's yourself. Now you need to have a lot of information. Yeah. You have to base your, 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 your decision on good data. We're a big data podcast in the beginning, so let's use big data here. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, you're the one that makes the decision and you're, own, you're the one that looks at it. Yeah. You have to be, let yourself be influenced in, in certain ways. And I've mentioned uh, walking around the company for half a day when you do the interviewing process just to sort of kind of sniff the culture a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in the end, for me, making a good choice means I will learn something, something good or something bad, something successful or something that was not successful. I'm not mm. using the F word. And that's why I do this stuff. So even if I end up leaving a company after a couple of months, which I have done once for a company that was very bad and I'm not talking about, mm -hmm. I still learn something. Okay, this is something I don't want to do. So as for me, the decision process of if I get to the point of, okay, I've got an offer here, should I take this or not? Okay, well, obviously the, the normal things, does it pay enough? Can I pay my bills, uh, family, whatever? That's obviously mm. important. But then the final straw is, will this be a place where I learn something? And if that's a yes, and my half a day on the floor, cultural sniffing didn't really turn up anything foul smelling, that's pretty much enough for me. And mm. talking to other people, I'm just going to finish off and let you discuss, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking to other people in my experience, and that is also my experience, my bubble, derailed me more than it helped me because you get experience from people that don't do the job I'm doing, that don't have the same interests I have and have their own opinion, which is a good thing. And typically the, the jobs I've been most happy at where the jobs people said, why the hell are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I went to Microsoft, people told me I was crazy. I had a great four years there. I learned a lot. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope you have a different opinion because I, don't I mean, think I, I'm, 
not I not don't know that I have a different opinion. I probably have a different approach, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, the thing that you started off with was that, like, you're the person, you're the only person that can make the right decision. And I totally agree with that. No one else can decide this for you. And no one else should decide this for you. This is if your they try, career. that's a warning flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, that overly influencing is is a is a warning sign. Um, yeah, look to make sure they're not getting a, a, an overly aggressive referral bonus or something like that. Um, but I do think that there are ways to um, get more information to make help you make an informed decision. So if we look at some of the more obvious ones, and these become easier the longer you've been working. So one of them is, you know, use and reach out to your network. Um, You know, the longer that you've been in some organizations or in in certain roles, the more likelihood you'll have crossed paths with someone. Maybe it's only someone you once met at a conference. Maybe it's someone that you worked closely with. Maybe it's someone who, someone else that you know. Yeah, the wonderful thing about LinkedIn is. I'm gonna break in quickly here, just for clarification here, because if you ask someone's advice, you need to know how that person thinks to be able to give context to that advice. I mean, we've been working on this podcast alone for like seven years plus. I know if I ask you something, you give me a response. I know where to position that, and that's a good reply. But people on LinkedIn, which are my first level context I've never even talked to. I mean, that's how LinkedIn works. <laughs> how much value is there in that kind of personal advice? I I think it it does depend how well you know that person and that will influence how much impact that should have on your decision. Like, I'm not suggesting you should reach out to a, another random that works at a place that you're thinking of going to. Just send but, an email to all that company, see who replies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that being said... Um, to, to pull on that thread a little bit, mm-hmm. like talking to someone that you've, you have no exposure to, this is one of the things that I think is a benefit to um, open source-based organizations because there are lots of other interesting ways that you can interact with that, that company and people at that company. You, know, you can see if they've got a, you know, a public Slack, you can see how they, how they work with their community, how they to communicate the with their community. You can see how their engineers interact with the community. You can see how they respond to people that are awkward and difficult in public and people that are, and you know, if you have something useful to contribute, you can see how maybe they, they work with someone that is engaged and interested and smart and just wants to help. You know, I'm not saying that this is the, the sole source of information, but it does give you some idea of at least how those individuals kind of interact. Um, Something like, uh, what's a website where you can see how people rate their company? Glassdoor. Glassdoor, that's what I'm thinking about. Is that similar or? I mean, Glassdoor, I think, is on balance, it will give you an indication. But I also think that Glassdoor is is a reflection of both the highs and the very, very lows. It's and like the Amazon reviews, right? Remove all the five stars, remove all the one stars, and read the ones in the middle. <laughs> Pretty, I mean, yeah, kind of. The thing I always think about Glassdoor is 
take every thing that you read with a giant bucket of salt because the they posted there exactly either because they are so in love with the company or the organization or they are they have such a hatred for that company or organization now there will be reasons for both of those things by the way so just because i'm saying take a pinch of uh, or giant bucket of salt with those there usually is something behind the the rhetoric whether it's positive or negative so maybe don't try you know i always when i'm looking at those sort of things i try and sort of read between the lines a little bit read the trends of the of the you know the messages like some people will just clearly have a bad time with a certain organization don't embrace the culture or you know whatever it might be and like those people will just not be happy at that sort of organization and that's fine yeah. um but glassdoor is a useful sort of touch point it's not the be all and end all yeah it's just another data point in your data set yeah yeah um i also think that as again this is one of those things that you can more easily call on uh, as your career develops but you will likely have people that you you can start to to trust regardless of where you each are employed later on in life there are people that i know that i can talk to about certain things that i'm considering and you know they we may have worked together many years ago but I still keep in in some sort of level of contact with them, maybe only very intermittently. But I know that if I have a question or if there's something that I want to to kind of talk about as a potential career move, I know that they will have some insight and some opinion that is you know, probably different to my own or at least differently informed to my own because they have a different level of exposure to something. You know, either they've been more directly influenced by it or they've, you know, talk with people there or you know whatever it might be obviously the earlier you are in your career the more difficult kind of that becomes because you don't have that that sort of wider grain sort of support network well, not necessarily because if you're at beginning of career you're in entry-level jobs and the people you know will also be entry-level jobs if you're further down your career you're in kind of more of the middle game end game of your of your career and you have people of, of that level so i think it's still totally valid hmm maybe maybe um i do think i just think it's more difficult like you you won't have as many of those relationships yeah, you, yeah 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 um i'm trying to think if there's i got another one yeah another go for one it. that's very practical and in my experience nobody uses hmm. if you're in the interview process and you reach you've done the first one so you're not a total idiot so you got through and you get to the more interesting ones yeah. You typically get an email, these people will be your interviewers. There's a reason they give you those names. With a little bit of searching, you can find them on Facebook for all I care. Probably LinkedIn is <laughs> probably no better, better trap yeah. there. But especially for, 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 for technical jobs, the jobs that I know best, there's no... I do a lot of interviews with candidates and nobody ever hits me up on LinkedIn. Hey, we've got an interview next week. Do you mind if we chat a little bit about the company? Yeah. 
it's a reason you get those names in advance, I think. I mean, I don't make those emails, but I'm assuming we give that information out so that you have the potential. We actually have sometimes a, a certain point in the, in the interview process where it's actually said, if you have any questions about the, 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 the format of this deep dive, whatever it is, feel free to reach out. Yeah. And of course, from the other point of view, if, if you're the, the interviewee, it's very daunting. I mean, you're trying to present your best image, try to land this job in the end. By doing this one-on-one -on -one communication with a person, that may go wrong. But in my experience, if the company is decent, and if the company isn't decent, you shouldn't work there, basically. <laughs> but if the company is decent, that should never be a problem. I don't yeah. expect to talk for four hours or take a lot of time from this person. And if you do do this, make sure you have a couple of good questions. Yeah. Don't need to be the most technical questions, but questions that make sense. I mean, why is the color of the logo blue? But again, I have ne I've never done it myself, so I'm, I'm guilty as charged. But I've also never had anybody reach out to me that way, which is baffling. I would say 10% of people reach out to me. Probably around about that, maybe a bit less, but around about that. And um, the other thing that falls into that same category is often you'll have, you know, you maybe then you have that second round of interviews. And I've, I would say probably significantly less than 10%, maybe one or 2% of people after that interview, like I personally, I always kind of finish off the interviews with, if there's anything that you think of later or anything else that you'd like to know, or if I can help further on down the line, please don't hesitate to let me know. Um, always give out my email address and, and sort of allow, you know, obviously I'm on LinkedIn, so people can hit me up there as well, but I want to make it as easy as possible. I would say, one or two percent of candidates ever actually make use of that mm. um but there definitely are candidates that do there are candidates that i have you know spent a decent chunk of time with um you know throughout their throughout their, throughout their application process as they're actually looking to you know better their approach better their talk track better their conversation mm. And especially in, you know, maybe this is more specific to the um, the solutions engineering, sales engineering, pre-sales type roles, but one of the things that I always think of is um, like this individual is clearly trying to stack the deck in their favor. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact, if you're not trying to stack the deck in your own favor, That's what on earth are you doing? Yeah, it's a problem, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I, mean, I got a beautiful example. If you, if you give yeah. me five seconds, yeah, I mean, in one of my recent job interviews, I reached out to the person. I said I didn't. And actually, now that I remember, I did do this. And we had to sit down just, it was an on-site interview, presentation thing, whatever. And I was there an hour, uh, half an hour early, which I often do. And he was there. And we just started talking. And I was thinking, wait, this is going to be an open source thing. And there's always a question that comes up when you do open source uh, interviews. If a customer says that this open source isn't secure because it's open source, how do you respond to that? 
because that question almost always came up. So I just asked him that question and he gave me a beautiful answer. Hmm. Then later in the meeting, in the presentation, I was doing my thing and one of the people asked a variation of that exact question and I gave the answer that I just half an hour before. And the thing is, you saw that guy just, God dang it, he got me. <laughs> I think that's why I got the job, to be honest. Because again, as you said, for a pre-sales job, discovery is king. Yeah. That's basically half of your job, being able to get the information any which way you can, as long as it's ethical. Mm-hmm. Let's, be, let's be nice. But that's a good thing. Anyway, yeah. just a, and I thought it was fun. No, I think that's absolutely, that's absolutely spot on. Um, let's see, how, how else can you, can you find out whether a place is, is going to be good? I mean, you mentioned the, the interview process, um, just, just then, like that should also give you a good feeling. And if it doesn't, like if you don't enjoy the interview process, that's probably a red flag. But also use an interview process. Interview processes are two-way streets. Yeah. They are not single, uh, single, uh, single uh, direction lanes. Yeah, yeah. You have to give a lot of information. You have to convince the other person. But the other person also needs to convince you to come work here. And at my current uh, job, when I do these interviews, we get clear instructions from HR. Uh, please be nice. Mm. <laughs> we want this person. He's in the interview process because we want him. Don't scare him away. Be nice. Be honest. Be open. Mm. Give them all the information, but present yourself as a, I mean, there's two people are trying to come to an agreement here. It's not you trying to sell yourself. Now, this was different 10, 20 years ago, perhaps, but in mm. today's economy, both people are looking for a win here. So try, use that. I mean, I learn more from the candidates interview, from the questions they ask and from the answers they give. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nodding and smiling here because exactly the same here. Like, I, I love just letting people ask me questions because you learn so much about how they think and what's important to them. So, yeah, could not agree more, but I think unless you have anything else. Well, I'm not going to say this is all I have because I want to keep my employment options open. (laughs) Maybe another podcast wants to scalp me. I don't know. Well, (laughs) anyway, I, this has been like a really interesting sort of journey through, mm-hmm. through our careers, through the things that, you know, I think have helped shape us a little bit, but also that we have seen shape others. Uh, so I do hope that, uh, the audience has enjoyed this. We've certainly enjoyed, uh, a little bit of a walk down memory lane as well. Yeah. It's the first time I actually did it this how do you call this, intensively, in, in, mm. or in, uh, on purpose, just to go through my whole career. It's, yeah, it's kind of nice. Indeed. Indeed. Well, if there's nothing else, then I think that's all the time we have today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. We are on YouTube. You can like, you can subscribe, you can comment, you can hit the notification bell and do all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag and send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is... 
I'm one job away from being something different. Dave? And my name is, I can finish census much faster than that. <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you <laughs> next week. Goodbye. See you then. Thank you.